Praise the Lord. Glory. Great job, Brother Avery. And uh, <clears throat> the, uh, Carly Brown requested prayer for Sister Diane Brown, and uh, she's had um, some um, uh, deviated septum and tubes, re uh, new ear tubes placed, and and uh, praying for her to have a speedy and good recovery. I know, as I said, there are so many others. And we, uh, if you were here Sunday from three to five, it was a great, I think, you know, I don't know if it's just me or every year is the greatest that we have, but um, it was a great time. A lot of visitors, a lot of guests, and uh, we had a lot of contacts, and I appreciate uh, a lot of folks that uh, just uh, came together and, you know, um, uh, had a hayride and they had uh, fire pits out here and the kids enjoyed trunk or treat and the rain held off, thank the Lord, and it was just all around, I thought was a great, uh, great, great uh, afternoon and uh, from three to five and if you weren't here um, uh, I don't know that we ha we might have a hot dog left over you could ask us for we might be able to find one but uh, we are thankful for all of those I know grief share is going on right now and I uh, asked uh, Sheena and uh, David and Caitlin if they would allow their class to come in and I know this is an old fogies class and an old class and I'm you know wherever I am and I I told them I want to teach the lesson tonight and I want them to hear it from the horse's mouth the horse being me and then I said your job is to go back and reteach this lesson because I think it is one of the most important lessons that, um, that they could learn at a younger age and possibly uh, even, and I, and I will do my best to finish what I have, although it, it has more that needs to be done. Um, in the lesson, but um, I was uh, sort of the one that kind of um, asked them to come, and I apologize already. I know that they, I'm sure, had a great lesson prepared, and that's the prerogative of uh, the pastor slash dad to uh, step in and say, uh, you know, come in. But um, I see some of them have, are in the back, so I'll have to holler loud to make them hear me. So uh, make sure, and I'll try to apply some of this to them. Actually, it's a lesson that should be taught in our youth class as well, I think, anyway. But just to uh, kind of go on with the announcements, uh, Friday morning, uh, tomorrow night is men's care group, Friday morning, early morning prayer, and uh, nothing Saturday and Sunday, <clears throat> but there is going to be an Israel Zoom meeting coming up, and we are having a staff meeting, not this Friday, but I believe it's next Friday night on uh, the, <clears throat> the 11th, I think it is. Uh, it's not this Friday, but it's the next Friday. So uh, don't 
<clears throat> forget all of those announcements. You'll hear some more about that, and we try to serve uh, a dinner and, and go from there. But we're, we are thankful that all of you are in the house of the Lord, and, and I do know we have ours, our sort of byline growing apostolic legacy, and I want to ask you a question, and, and it is, um, I, I, I didn't want to be arrogant and say the most important question that you will ever know or ever ask. Uh, so, because there's some parts to this question, and so I, I didn't want to just go out there and say this is the most important question. Although, um, as questions go, I would put it as probably um, uh, one of the, maybe I'll say it that way, or a, an uh, important question, or a uh, important, uh, and an, an, a very important question that need to kind of have uh, going forward in your life if you are going to have a good uh, walk with God and if you are going to do well in your life, whether it's financially, whether it's all, all of the above. I, I think, you know, we are all bombarded with questions and all the time, but this becomes sort of what I looked at as the uh, most important question or, you know, one of the most important questions. And so, you know, I, I wrote this statement that you need to kind of understand, and I'll be glad to send you my slides. Uh, uh, if you want them, just come to me after church and I'll forward them to you. I don't know if we're able to put them online or whatever, but uh, I, I, I really think it's this important. And let me just say this about this question. If it is answered truthfully, if you were to answer this question truthfully, you would avoid almost all regret. You would avoid almost all regret in your life. Now, I know there are accidents that happen and things, and, and you know, we've been here and, and we've heard uh, uh, Brother Larry and his accident and others have accidents and we would regret. I mean, if, if he could say, man, I regret going to work that day, you know, he would probably feel bad. Uh, and yet, uh, the, this, uh, if, if this question were answered truthfully, almost all regret would be gone. And it, for those of you who are, uh, we'll say 60 years and plus, and maybe even if you're 40 and plus, or even if you're 30 and plus, um, you may have had a time when you have looked back on your life and had regrets. I wish I would have whatever. I, I, I wish I could have. I wish this would have happened. And, you know, then it's usually followed with some questions that sort of are attacking, and the devil loves to attack. And so then that becomes, how could I have been so dumb? How could I have been so blind? How could I have been so naive? How could I have been so stubborn? How could I have been so destructive? How could I have been so irresponsible? How could I have been so, bad word, stupid? 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you may have never had the enemy put that thought in your mind, but most of us have. And if we would have asked this question before whatever we did, it probably would have prevented those feelings that came later. Now, I realize that going all the way back to dear sweet Eve, we are the best at self-deception. And having worked in the field of psychology and having worked with individuals who are struggling with situations in their lives all of my life, I have heard, you know, all kinds of justification for the reason people have done things. Not from any of you, but I've heard people say, well, this doesn't really hurt anybody else. It won't, it doesn't bother anybody else. Uh, or I've heard them say, I'll only do it once. I'll only do it this one time. I'll, I'll do this, that'll help me get through tonight but I won't do it anymore. I'll be very careful. I, 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 I had in my mind, I would be very careful. Yes, I know, I know I shouldn't, but I, I'm gonna be very careful. Now, you probably have never asked those questions, unfortunately, or made those statements. I've, I've seen people that heard them that have said, well, I've been good for a week, or I've been good for a month, or I've been good for a year, so, I can go there and it won't bother me. I can do that and it'll be all right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I can handle it. I can quit whenever I want. I can stop. Now I can, you know, I know it's probably not good, but I can stop. And they are responding because somewhere there probably the Holy Ghost or something is generating this question and they deceive themselves. And the Bible says we will deceive ourselves. And we're good at deceiving ourselves. And so what I'm going to do tonight is just basically ask for you not to deceive yourself and for you to recognize how important this question is and to start answering this question on a regular, first of all, start asking this question and then start answering it truthfully on a regular basis in your life, maybe even daily, if you will. Now, the question, where did it come from? It came from Paul, the, the most prolific writers of, in the New Testament, even in the Bible, who wrote more about the church and uh, so forth than any other writer. And he wrote it to the church that was at Ephesus. It's the book of Ephesians. Probably there's so much in the book of Ephesians, probably all of you could say at some point you've read or heard about the book of Ephesians. Unfortunately, we look at it as just a book in the Bible and it's not about the time that it was written in. 
In the time that Paul wrote the book of Ephesians to the church at Ephesus, the, the city was an amazing city. It was one of the only cities that had temples to uh, the god Artemis, if you will, and um, she was, uh, had been named Diana under the Greeks and now was named Artemis by the Romans. And if you'll notice, I put a, uh, a little picture of an ancient statue and uh, it's mainly all adults in here. And I guess what I want you to understand is the temples of those days, and especially those in Ephesus, were really places of debauchery and prostitution, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, in fact, the goddess... Uh, was known as a fertility god, and if you were to read about her, uh, she was this uh, basically the, uh, if you will, the queen of uh, of intimate relationships, illicit relationships, and. The people that worshiped at those temples basically paid a price, and that price afforded them a time of uh, wine and women and song, and it was basically as evil, if you will, as it could be. And that's where this church was trying to exist. And Paul, takes and he recognizes that the church is there. And for three chapters, the first three chapters, uh, the first part of his letter, the first half of his letter, it's only six chapters, but the first half of, of his letter, Paul really hammers about we are in Christ. You see, Paul had heard there were some, either one or more of the members of the church that were drifting off into thinking they could keep a foot in both worlds, that they could go to the temple some and to be candid, um, you know, um, we had hot dogs on Sunday afternoon and we had a great turnout and we don't have hot dogs tonight and turnout's not quite as good. Now that's hot dogs. Imagine if the temple down the street was offering wine, women, and song. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? We're all old enough to get it. You talk about you're going to come and listen to this preacher for 45 minutes? Uh, no. <laughs> I got to spare 45 minutes. I know where I'm going. Because, you know, they may serve hot dogs down there. <laughs> Whatever. Have cake marches. Whatever. They would have it all. And so there was that whole mindset that we're going to, you know, Paul was writing to this church and these first three chapters. And then in chapter four, if you really want to get heavy, and I, I, I'm not going to try to get heavy tonight. I'm going to try to teach you about this question. But if you really get heavy, 
Paul just turns the wheel in the letter in the first part of chapter 4, and he says it like this, I therefore... Now, what is therefore... What does that word mean? What is therefore, therefore? That's a good question, isn't it? That's why I said that first verse, he just turns the wheel. I therefore, in other words, because of all of this that you are in Christ, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech or demand, cry, I urge, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I want to tell you, that verse right there you could spend a month on because it's hard to keep the unity in the bond of peace. And if you're a part of a church, I don't care if there's just two members, at some point, one of them's going to cross you. And somebody's going to make you mad. And somebody's going to offend you. And somebody's going to get under your skin. And to have us have to have lowliness and meekness and long-suffering and forbearing one another in love, that's what I said. That, basically, what he was saying is don't live like you used to live. You are a new creature in Christ. You have Christ in you. You are new. You're therefore do different. And for several verses, Paul begins a catalog of things that that early church in that terrible city of how they should think, of what they should talk about, of even what they should laugh about. It says, don't even laugh about these things that people say in secret, about things that are ashamed to even speak of them. You read through those verses and you want to probably be like me, you'll get depressed because this list of what to do is almost intimidating. It's overwhelming, and, and, and he just pounds for a whole chapter and a half. And then he gives the most important question, and that question is, if you ask yourself this, you will learn how to live this way. You will learn how to live a different life. It's found in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the 15th through the 17th verses is really the first part of that question. And so you want to write it out. You want to memorize it. You want to put it on your <coughs> visor and get in the car. However, because whether it's in the King James Version or the Amplified, let me read it in both and then you'll just understand why this question is the most important question. He brings it all the way down to here. And he says, see then that you walk 
circumspectly. Now that means looking around, being alert. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because you know the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of God is. That's the basis for this important question. If you're reading the Amplified, it says it like this. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Live purposely, purposefully, and worthily, and accurately. Not as unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people, making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding firmly, grasping, understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. So here's this question. See then, look carefully. See then, look carefully that you walk circumspectly. So Paul was basically saying, if you want to be able to do the things in an, this sin-soaked city, you're going to have to ask yourself this question and so what is the question? What is a question? I don't know, however you want to word it. What is one of those questions? And I put it here. What is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? Now, I know you can, you can justify anything that you're doing, but what is the wise thing? Unfortunately, we very rarely ask that. I know. You used to have, there's a Bible story for kids and wise and, and foolish. And, and I, I understand, I've, I've heard my family, I've asked myself, is that wise? Is this wise? And, you know, and they go, usually it's followed up with, but is there anything wrong with it? And that's, that's a horrible question. You can't ask, is this wise, and is there anything wrong with it? <laughs> because what happens is, if it's not immoral, <laughs> although now what's moral? I mean, I, I'm sorry. <clears throat> um, I've had people that, well, Send me stuff. I don't have TikTok. I don't have. I, I I have Instagram, but and they have cute little animals. But there's also so much on there I don't get on it. Yeah. It's not immoral <laughs> because they've got a little cutout somewhere that covers up whatever. But I want to tell you, <laughs> it's debauchery. And you may say, oh, but it's not illegal. It's not unethical. And I go home 
21st Street and I pass by places that say, here it is. It's no longer illegal to smoke pot or to have. Now you're 21, you can go drink all you want. It's not illegal, but is it wise? That's the key. Because the, the, unfortunately, the line of what's legal and what's illegal and what's moral or what the world calls moral. Huh? And I, I've been guilty of going to Walmart, not, I don't, not some bad party and, and thinking, man, they have nobody in their life that loves them and tells them how not to dress. You know, and you have to put blinders on. You say, well, oh, pastor, you're not hip. And I get it. I'm not. And there's nothing really wrong with it. I can go and boom, I can go through and whether it's Candy Crush or whatever, and I can spend hours and hours or Twitter or Facebook or I'm not against social media. I, I'm not, I, unfortunately, I'm not savvy. I get it. But I know, you know what? It's only so many seconds, but you can go 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 30 minutes, hour, hour and a half. I haven't read the Bible. I haven't prayed. I haven't asked God. Huh? Is there anything wrong with it? It's a legal thing. I'm not, not, not counting all the things that are borderline, right. you know. But the real question is not, is it legal? Is it immoral? But the real question, is it wise? Is it wise? So when you ask, is it legal or is it wrong or is it, you're basically asking how close can I get to the line or ultimately how far can I go over the line before I suffer negative consequences? That's what I'm basically asking. How far can I go before this bites me? This kills me. You see what I'm saying? And that's not wise. That reminds me of the old story of many years ago of the guy that was trying to hire a wagon driver to drive a wagon and carry his goods to the store and had three applicants and the first one got there and he went right up to the edge and had the horses going and he's <laughs> reining them and he's pulling them. The second one knew he's got to have to do better, so he went out and he got it, and he got so close to the edge that he was hanging one of the wagon wheels off the edge, and he was leaning over, and the wagon wheel would be dangling over the edge. The third one got in the wagon, and he just slowly took off way away from the cliff. The guy said, I want to hire the third one. 
Why? Because it's not about how close you can get to the line without... I want my goods to arrive there safely. So, you, you see, because you have to understand, what did the Lord say? John 10, we quote the first part of it. A lot of times we forget the rest of it. It says, the thief comes only in order to do what things? Steal, kill, destroy. But I am come that they might have life and have it in abundance. King James says more abundantly. Amplified says to the full till it overflows. The Lord wants a great life for all of us. And he has a great life. If we will ask this question, is this wise? So I know Paul must have heard that one or more of the believers was attempting to blend this old life with the new life. So he writes this letter as a warning. And what does he say? He says, if you go back and you read 5.15, he said, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That's verse 16. That's the next part of that question about is it wise? He says, you better realize the days are evil. The enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy every home. He wants to destroy every relationship. Why do you think our children, the suicide rates going up and up and up? Why, huh? You say, oh, pastor. Unfortunately, you cannot park your car on the top of this hill, put it in neutral, and not expect to be in the ditch somewhere. He said, you're going to have to redeem the time because the days are evil. You can't coast along. The evil will overtake you. You can't be careless. You can't live aimlessly. You're not living in a morally neutral environment. If you think Hollywood is going to not be an influence, we, we have seen in the last couple of years the major influence that schools are having in the curriculum because we've been off and parents are going, oh my Lord, I didn't realize they were teaching all of that at school. Let me tell you, it's been going on for years. It's not a morally neutral world. Oh, you can watch that show. It's fine. I appreciate it. Siobhan, Tegan will come and they'll go, Papa, have you watched it to screen it? Mom and Dad always watch everything that we're going to watch. Why? Because wake up. There's an evil world out there. Don't think that just because it's got a G rating or a PG rating that your children, little darlings, can handle it. Amen. Or that it's not teaching some other message. Right. 
He said, so that's why I want you to walk circumspectly. I want you to be intentionally cautious. Because you will be overtaken by something you wouldn't normally do. So that next part of that question is, is it wise or is it foolish? But is it, is it redeeming me? Is it drawing me closer to God? Say, oh, well, no, uh, I'm just doing this for fun. It has nothing to do with God. How much of your life can stand nothing to do with God before the current takes you away? You know, how foolish is it? And I, I'm going to speak. <laughs> I remember when I, we had the young butts girl that had an accident and the report was that she was getting a text or receiving a text or reading a text. And I stood behind this pulpit and I said, let me just tell you, young people, I don't care what the rest of the world says, it's a sin to do that. Text and drive. I said, that's from me. Now, it's not in the Bible. doesn't say it in the Bible, but it's not wise. Why would I be so stupid or mean or hard? I know society now says, don't do it. You get a ticket, blah, blah, blah. But it's... He said, redeeming the time for you know the days are evil. It's like driving down the road and thinking, well, I have time to, oh, my, my phone fell. I got to get under the seat and get it. I've got time to look. How much time do you have going 55 miles an hour to look under your seat? Huh? You say, well, I'm on cruise control. It's freeway. It's straight. It's a straight road. It's sun is shining. It's beautiful. I'm not driving a Tesla. I can take my hands off the wheel. It's going to be all right. Really? I don't care if you've got an auto driving pilot. You keep your hands there. Can I look away from the cross long enough to engage in this? Let me tell you, we've got to keep our eyes on the price. What's the most important thing in my life? Redeeming the time. All right. It's quarter till. Y'all are quiet. Let me go back to the verse. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and fully grasping what the will of the Lord is. Understanding and fully grasping. Now that, when I read that and I went back and I looked at it in the Greek because I'm just like, this sentence doesn't make sense. That is as foolish as me saying, to Siobhan, okay, Siobhan, stand here. I want you to know, I want you to explain Euclidean geometry to me, to this church. Here's the microphone. I took Euclidean geometry when I was in college, and I couldn't explain it to you. But I'm telling you, some of you have never even heard about Euclidean geometry. It's above Cal 1, Cal 2, and Cal 3. It's the next level course of mathematics. 
I did all right in it when I was 18 and 19, but I don't know that I could give you a better, a good explanation. And I would say, well, Siobhan, don't you understand? That's what puzzled me about this verse. Because don't you understand? And, and how foolish I would be as a grandparent or to say, she needs to tell you something that she doesn't understand. Right? So when you read this verse, he said, understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is, Paul had to believe that they fully could understand. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because he would not tell them, he didn't say, notice what he didn't say. He didn't say obey the will of God. He didn't say discover the will of God, but understand the will of God. Basically what Paul was telling these Ephesians was, quit playing games. You know what you need to do and what you don't need to do. You understand this. You need to firmly grasp the will of God in your life. You say, well, I, you know, I, I, I'm pretending. I don't really get it. I'm rationalizing. What basically Paul was saying is, get real. You know in your heart and through the word of God, spiritual mentors, the church, whatever, what we should do and not do. I, I can't tell you how many people... Thank the Lord none of them are sitting in here right now but have come to me in years past and said, Pastor, I didn't want to ask you because I knew what you would say. And I could pull my hair out. Why? Because you understood what you should and shouldn't do. It's not a question about Oh, I didn't understand. I didn't get it. Yeah, you got it. He said, understanding what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish. And, and I recognize that this question here in verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil, understanding what the will of God, the Lord is, because if you ever go to an ocean beach and if you've ever been to one, there's signs that they put up. They put them up for wind and all, whatever. And there is a, a sign that they put up and it's about riptides. Anybody ever heard of riptides or undercurrents? And what are you saying? You can wade out and be waist deep and just kind of playing around in the water and all of a sudden you look back and you don't even see your car where you parked it. There is a subtle pull that's pulling you down the coast and out and it feels like I'm just that's why he talks about get real you understand <laughs> I know let, let, me, let me show you this slide here because you have to be honest 
about what's been a trigger in your life in the past, what's been a point of weakness, what's been a flashpoint, what's been a hot button, whatever word you want to use there, and get real about it and say, in light of my current or past circumstances, is this wise? Will this draw me closer to God? Will this promote his will for me to have an abundant life? What are you saying? I mean, you know that if being around this person or going to this party or doing this thing has been a doorway for you in the past, duh, you know what the will of God is. You can't go there. You can't do that. Why? Because it's not wise. Oh, well, I can handle it this time. I will handle it this once. You won't. I'm sorry. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you can say, oh, I, I, think I, I, think I, got, I think I can do it this time. You've got to be honest. You've got to be, you be real. You've got to get honest with you. I can't handle this. That's why Jesus would say something like, if your eye offends you, ooh, that's radical, that's nuts, but if you want to have an abundant life, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't open that door. And I've told the story before here, and I know many of you may know him, but I, I'll never forget, not too long after I came, Brother Roger Brown, who was close to in his 90s, if he wasn't, I don't, I don't remember how old he was when he said it, but came and he said, we're taking the seniors on a trip and going, and he said, I, some of them want to go to Ruby Tuesdays at that time was downtown where the IHOP is. And he said, I'm just not going, Pastor. I don't care if they want to go or not. We're not going. And what was sad was my wife and I and several of the young people were going to Ruby Tuesdays every Sunday night after church. And I said, "Uh, okay, Brother Brown, is there something wrong with Ruby Tuesdays? He said, you don't know? And I said, I guess not. I didn't want to tell him because I'm going there. (laughs) It was open Sunday night. We were starting church later and it was open. And guess what they had? A great salad bar. Anybody ever remember Ruby Tooth? And he said, absolutely. I wouldn't go there because there's a bar. And I said, stupid me, I said, a salad bar? (laughs) And I know his first thought was, and we elected you pastor? (laughs) And he said, no. There's another bar in there. 
I had never even noticed it because when you came in, they sat you over here. But behind the salad bar was a bar. And he said, I'm telling you, I know what that stuff did to me. I served in World War II. And now we are 50 years later. He didn't say that. 70 years later, whatever it was. But I won't go into a place that serves, that has a bar. And I said, Brother Brown, do not take the seniors to Ruby Tuesdays. Don't think about it. I kept going. I didn't have an issue with it. But for him, it wasn't wise. And he put his foot down and said, I'm not going it now, 70 years later, I could have argued with him and said, Brother Brown, are you, what? Are you crazy? This is ridiculous. You've been delivered from alcohol for 70 years. I'm not, I know what those things did to me. I know the lifestyle it took me to. I know what it made me do and act. I'm not giving myself an opportunity True story. You all know the players. <clears throat> Not only should you ask about my current and past circumstances, but you need to be real about your future ones. In light of my future ambitions or dreams or goals in my life, is this wise? <laughs> will it draw me closer to God, promote his will for me to have an abundant life, promote his will for me? What are you saying? He said, if you don't ask those questions, is it his will? And recognize, I've got a goal. I've got a direction. I'm setting my life in a direction. What do I want for my course? What do I want for my children? What do I want for my grandchildren? What, do I want them to have a life where they believe that the house of God is important and necessary and something special and we need to make every course we can to make sure we're centered? Huh? How do I want to, what direction am I aiming? Huh? What direction am I aiming my own life? Say, well, I just want to make money and retire. I want to tell you it's not wise because it can all change tomorrow. It can all be gone. Then the next part of what he says in Ephesians, the fifth chapter in the 18th verse, and I love this verse. The 18th verse is one of my favorite verses because I've never been drunk with wine or beer or whatever. In the Amplified, it says it like this. Do not get drunk with wine. That is debauchery. But ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. The King James says, don't be drunk with wine where it is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What are you talking about? It's kind of services we've been having around here where you just let go and worship and hoop and holler. And ha because I want to tell you something. Folks, and I know it's 8 o'clock, sorry. But they tell 
young girls going to college, they tell, you shouldn't drink because you know what happens? Usually when you get drunk, you wake up the next morning, and you go, boy, that wasn't wise. You got a problem. Medical, what, huh? And then somebody came out, well, if you drink, make sure you never let anybody else hold your drink. Well, guess what? You shouldn't be holding it. Hello? How close can you get to the edge? Make sure you have a buddy that'll drive you home. Hello? You ought to be at, huh? He said, if you want to party, party with the Holy Ghost. And then speak to one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, chewing one another out, offering praise with voices and instruments, making melody in your heart to the Lord. At all times, for everything, give thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. Be subject one to another out of reverence for Christ. You have to get into a party mood in the Holy Ghost. You've got to pray through and worship the Lord. You say, well, I can just come and sit and i got to hurry and get out. No, this ought to be the best, exciting, most important, most the most special place. I don't care. I know they might have a Halloween party some Somewhere else, but there's no party like a party in the Holy Ghost. That's where you got to focus your life if you're going to be wise. If you can go to a Razorback game, Sister Rachel is here. She got me into one in the student section years ago. OSU, sorry, it wasn't Razorback. It was OSU. I've never been to a Razorback. People were overwhelming. They losing control, losing inhibition. I, and I, I just said, I wonder how many of them will act like that when they go to church Sunday. Right. What, pastor, be goofy. Hello, it's the box. Take your shirt off, paint a big O on yourself. Hallelujah. <laughs> Scream and yell and holler. I, I like to watch them. I like to see them. I, I'm not... Oh. Go on. Say, I'm having the time of my life, but is it wise? Job said, seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Psalms 90 says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. I could talk about money, I could talk about time. What is the cumulative value of my actions or lack thereof? In other words, over time. How much time do I devote to the word, to him, to worship, huh? 
I can devote a lot of time to a lot of things, and the world has got bunches of stuff that has out there. And it's not illegal, and it's not immoral, and I understand it. And I know whether it's hunting or fishing or camping or playing disc golf, and I'm going to get in trouble tomorrow because they're going to all tell me. You preached against it. I'm not preaching against it, but I'm just telling you, be wise. What are you doing? Is it wise? If I have no time for God, that's where it becomes, boy, this is unwise because cumulatively, where's my time? Where's my money? Where's my energy? Where's my direction? Because I want to tell you something. I can look back at all the stuff that I did in college days, in high school days, that didn't amount to a hill of beans now. But the only thing that I did that was eternal in the altar, praying, developing some understanding of God, that's what matters. 50 years down the road, 40 years down the road, 60 years down the road. Because when you look and you go, I'm so thankful, and I know I can't live for God for my children. I'm thankful they are living for God. I can't live for God for my grandchildren. Thankful they're, you know, in and around and living for God. But I want to tell you something. What does it matter if you gain the whole world? Was it wise? Oh, hallelujah. All right. Thank you, High Life, for coming in. Sorry, I wasn't trying to beat you up. I'm not telling you what you're doing is not wise. I'm trying to help you because I want you, should the Lord tarry, to be a pillar of wisdom. To be a pillar of wisdom. And if you haven't started yet, you need to start now. Let's stand. We're going to... And I'm going to say this. Please forgive me. I'll, I'll throw myself under the bus. When I look at that bag of Cheetos, typically I don't say, is it wise to open it? I just do it. And look what the cumulative effect has been. Okay, that's me. That's me being transparent here, okay? I didn't, let me tell you, I didn't get this way with one bag of Cheetos. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. Well, but that's not as bad as, oh, just pastor. Be careful. I didn't see this in my future. It happens to all of us in every area of life. Make sure you're doing it wisely now. Let's raise our hands. Sing, Brother Jim.